Thanks for joining us for episode eight of This Life's Work with Charles Ratliff and Friends. I'm Dana Schlegenhaft, and I'm joined, as always, at Haxton Road Studios by our host, Charles Ratliff. Charles, we're recording this podcast on the eve of Election Day. Now, we're not talking politics, but it is a fitting time to take a look at our country, our county, our city, and the dialogue clearly needed across a variety of topics, including growth in downtown Bentonville and throughout the county, and really providing an opportunity for all members of our community. Happy Election Day, Eve, Charles. <laughs> also, you. happy Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see you again, Dana. Good to see you, too. It's uh, my pleasure this morning to introduce our guest, uh, Cindy and uh, Barry Mooring. Mooring, w- welcome to you, too. Thank you. Uh, yeah, appreciate it's a pleasure to be, to be here. here. Yeah. Excited. Thank, thanks again. If I don't say this enough, for taking the time to No, this is great. Great opportunity. Yeah. Appreciate it. Now, Cindy's the uh, founder and executive chair of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative at the University of Arkansas at the, at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. And prior to that, she served as Walmart senior vice president in U.S. and global, later on chief ethics and compliance officer and uh, as a senior vice president. You know, Cindy, that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, well, all of that. It's a mouthful, first of all. <laughs> but, but compliance and ethics, uh, and then senior vice president level at Walmart. I mean, that's there aren't many of those. There haven't been many of those. Congratulations on oh, that. Thank you. And a nice twenty-year career. So, uh, let's see. J- uh, Judge Mooring, elected Benton County Judge, twenty sixteen. You know, when I uh, I think back about that very week, that's visiting prior to you uh, when you were running. Uh, we so much appreciate the level of professionalism you, that you've brought. Oh, to thank the you. Position. Appreciate that. Uh, most of us, most people, including me, Dana, don't don't understand the uh, the size and complexity of that office. I, I learned a little bit about it when Gary Black was in that role, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's a pretty good challenge. Before coming uh, county judge, very served two terms on the Benton County Quorum Court. And then prior to that, professional background in management and executive positions with uh, companies like Disney and Walmart. So uh, thanks again for sharing this time with us. But I want to ask you this sort of a lead-off question. So I've admired your family really sort of from a distance because, uh, Sandy, have, I don't know if I've seen you since we worked around each other at Walmart about 15 years ago, running the Barry occasionally. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family and the, and the kids. Yeah. Well, we have uh, – we have a tremendous family. So, you know, obviously it, it starts with, with myself and Cindy, but we have three great kids. We have our daughter, Allison, who is a senior at uh, Bentonville High School and uh, has done all 12 years in Bentonville schools, and, and we've been very appreciative of that. Our younger son, Hayden, is in his uh, final year at the United States Naval Academy. And so he'll find out here in a few weeks what he's going to do upon graduation and commissioning next May. He'll commission as an officer in the United States Navy next May. So we're very proud of, of Hayden. Mm-hmm. And then our oldest son, Bennett, uh, graduated from the Naval Academy in, uh, in 2019. And he's now at Naval Air Station Milton in Florida about to undertake helicopter training. So he uh, graduated from Naval Academy, became, uh, went to the Navy uh, pilot training down in Pensacola and then mm-hmm. in Corpus Christi and has selected helicopters. And now he's going to learn how to fly a helicopter. Well, that's exciting. I tell you, thank them for us for serving, uh, first of all. And then, but so you do have one, as a parent, I think back, you do have one more college uh, grind to get through here. (laughs) We do. And we're in that process. She's, she has applied and been accepted to four schools, not, not a military academy. 
And so she's kind of going through that consideration set. University of Arkansas is one, but one of four, and um, and we'll see where she ends up. But she'll be going to college next year. Oh, great. Good for you. Yeah. Well, both of you, we had spoken earlier. You said that you moved to Benton County on Valentine's Day in 1999, <laughs> which I can't believe it's been over 20 years, but it really – you've seen a lot of growth in this area that yeah. for people that have more recently moved here, you don't understand the explosive growth right. since a time um, like in the last 20 years. So you you came here with corporate jobs, you fell in love with the area, and then you shifted to more community-focused jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, let's just talk a little bit about what you've seen the last 20 years and how do we make growth like this, explosive growth that is projected to continue in the next 20 years, how do we make that work? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I'll share a loaded thoughts question. And then turn it over to you. Uh, but I have to say, when we moved here, funny story. When mm-hmm. we moved here on Valentine's Day uh, in 1999, we actually moved into a rental house that had red carpet of all things. <laughs> So it is something that that I will I will certainly never forget. Well, that's appropriate. It was very that's right. That's Valentine's right. Day, right. red carpet. You could never forget that. Um, I think the question you asked is a great one, and it that has so many different layers to it in terms of how we handled the growth. I mean, there's the the infrastructure question, of course. Um, there's uh, you know the housing question. There's just the culture question of maintaining this just wonderful environment that we have here in Northwest Arkansas and doing that in a way that is inviting to um, those who are coming in. And so, you know, I think one of the ways that we continue to handle the growth, and I'll leave the infrastructure question to to my husband over here, but um, just in terms of the culture of the community and maintaining that, I think the more that we show up as an inviting community and just be who we are to show people that this is a community where everyone can feel welcome and really talk about the fantastic lifestyle that you can have here um, with all of the, the the trails and the amenities that are coming in now with the restaurants and yet you can still um find time in your in your day because of the community size to work a great job and then still be able to be home with the family or go spend time with your friends um, or you know do some other outside activities I mean when we moved here we moved from you know even 20 years ago from Phoenix Arizona which um, you know would take us a good 45 minutes commute at least on either side uh, and then we moved here and you know at, after dinner we'd be done and it'd be like 6 30 and we'd look at each other and say, well, what do we do now <laughs> it's all this found time and I think that's a real hidden charm and a hidden treasure that still exists despite the growth and something that I think that we should maintain you can have a, a more full life here in my opinion oh, more freedom good. to decide really what great. you do with your time yeah. which is nice yeah exactly but we do have to keep up with the infrastructure so yeah it 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 has been an amazing run when we moved here we we looked at each other and promised we were going to be here five years and out like we couldn't imagine that we were moving to arkansas and and all that that came with that and now 20 years plus later we can't imagine living anywhere else Uh, we came here you know we got involved with the church we got involved with our community we coached teams we were five minutes from work five minutes from school uh, for the kids, and it just turned into this wonderful place to raise a family, uh, have that quality of life, have that balance of life, even working at Walmart. Walmart, for all of you who know, is a pretty intense place to work, but you could still leave Walmart and, and still go participate in the community. And we do need to keep that. Uh, we need to keep that sense of community here 
in Benton County. And, and on the infrastructure question, it is going to be a challenge. We're estimated to uh, increase in population from about 280,000 now to about 490,000 in 2045. And one of the challenges of this region will be to maintain that sense of community and that quality of life while accommodating that growth. It will put a, a strain and a stress on infrastructure. Uh, you know, one of my mentors was the former mayor of Bentonville, Bob McCaslin, and he used to talk about those orange barrels. Don't, don't be, don't, you know, think of those as good things. Those aren't bad things. It's a lot better than the, than the opposite of not having any orange barrels and any in, increase in infrastructure. And, and yet now <clears throat> we're facing, um, Huge growth in our schools, huge growth in our roads, huge growth in, in things like flood control and bridges. And so uh, all of those will be important uh, to move people around, to have people have educational opportunities. All of that's going to be important to maintain our community, or uh, it'll be like where we came from in Phoenix, where it's just this big amalgus space where you really didn't know your neighbor and you really didn't have much of community to get involved with like you do here. So we have to be careful how we balance those, those things, that community and growth aspect. Uh, all good points. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of several questions related to that. So I'll, uh, 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 let me delay those for a little bit later. Okay. Uh, cause I want to ask Cindy this, uh, I'm curious about it, Cindy. I know we've talked about it. Uh, but in your previous role as, uh, Walmart Chief Ethics Compliance Officer, which, by the way, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I think I was charged with starting the compliance area back in <laughs> oh two or three. It was about oh four, oh four yeah. somewhere. I yeah, mean, right we gave we gave there. it a shot to get started. We did yeah. It yep. may it may have been uh, sped up my retirement. I don't remember, but it, <laughs> it, it, a challenging position. So, but but I do remember this, and it, what I want to ask you about is it, it was part of a pretty rapidly transforming corporate environment mm -hmm. at that time. So, mm -hmm. uh, how does your experience with that apply to what you're doing currently, and what are you doing currently? What does it mean exactly in yeah. your new role? Yeah, that was a real time of, of explosive growth. Well, mm -hmm. Walmart's whole existence has been a time yep. of explosive yep. growth. Um, I think in the you know the early 2000s, it was really figuring out how do we how do we operate a global company. Uh, in, a, in a successful way, and how do we explain to people in other parts of the world um, what the values and the culture of the company are and what the expectations really are. And so taking what we had here in sort of Northwest Arkansas strong culture in the home office and figuring out how do we export that in an effective way sort of around the world um, to help people understand you are working for a U.S. company. It does come with certain expectations from a compliance perspective and I that know, we have to meet. I, I know particularly when you got in the global arena, arena that you found that uh, – Ethics had maybe had a different definition. Absolutely, yeah. So what became really important was to find um, local examples that folks in other countries could relate to so that it made sense to them from their own perspective, but yet still have the understanding that as one company, we had one set of, of cultural values and one set of expectations when it really came to ethics and that, that transcended 
um, sort of the geography or the um, uh, maybe the local understanding of a, you know a culture in a in a country like China or India, and so helping to use sort of the local examples of things again that were meaningful to somebody in China because it's something they could relate to, and overlaying that with what the the company's global expectations were really helped uh, those individuals I think start to understand so, the culture. So how did you use that and what you're doing currently? Yeah. So what I I am doing now is, um, I would say, really preparing the next generation of future business leaders. So learned a tremendous amount of lessons uh, while I was at Walmart because so much of my time was spent, you know, counseling and and talking with business folks like you, Charles, about you know questions mm-hmm. they had or what you know how do I how do I um, um, uphold our, our culture of integrity, you know, in China or in in Brazil or wherever it may be. But so many questions coming from the business folks that what I'm doing now is paying that forward to the future business leaders in Walton College by helping them understand that whether they go into a a career in supply chain or marketing or management or economics, there's still going to be these issues of ethics and integrity that are going to be a part of their role. As, as a business leader. And so they need to understand them. And so breaking that down into some real practical things like you have to be able to speak up and use your voice. There aren't any second class citizens in business. You know, you're, you, you should not be engaging in fraud or improper deceit. Um, you have to have ethical AI, which is a real kind of booming area. You know, you got to honor the terms of your contract. Give them kind of the guardrails, but then use like current day examples of things mm-hmm. that's happening in the news every day. Help them understand how that's an example of, of something that you know relates to one of those principles so that they become more aware of what the ethical issues are you and know, then helping them work through it. Uh, you remind me then, you know, some flashback here, uh, it, a, a significant challenge for the folks in management roles to take this changing environment relative to not just ethics and compliance but now diversity and inclusion and yeah. all the other changes and Manage in a what manage that in a professional way. That's right. So they're getting training in all these areas simultaneously, trying yes. to understand how to digest that and regurgitate it in a fashion that's non-offensive and and good for everybody. That's right. That's do, right. Do you still? Is that part of your program now that you take all those elements? and? So I partner a lot with the Office of Diversity and Inclusion because, of course, one of the basic integrity principles is to respect everyone's autonomy, which mm-hmm. means that you know there really shouldn't be any second-class citizens in business. There's mm-hmm. just no no space for that, right? So that clearly then picks up the, you don't you know, discriminate against people. You shouldn't um, engage in any type of harassment, and obviously that would, that would delve into the racism area. Mm-hmm. So ethics is obviously much broader than that, but that is one of the most basic um, premises of it. Um, you just you can't build trust and have effective business relationships if you're violating some of these just basic tenets. But the issue is, I think so many young young students like they don't. There's so much coming at them and so much noise coming at them that making sense of it. Um, uh, can sometimes get lost in the noise. So the emphasis of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative is to help them make sense of what they are hearing, uh, be able to be aware of it, that, and then move them into action so that when they actually do get out in the business world, they're better equipped and better prepared to deal with these issues. There were too many times that I saw in the eyes of young business leaders, um, just kind of the deer in the headlights, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was going to have to deal with an issue like this, and I don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that 
advising that I would do, I, what I want to do is to pay it forward so the business students are better equipped when they get out in the business world. That's awesome. We're talking about building trust and, and communicating, and I wanted to pivot this a bit back to Judge Mooring. Uh, this summer, we witnessed protests on the Bentonville Square that served as a catalyst for further conversations about race and diversity in our region. Um, I think it's pretty clear to everyone the first protest didn't go as well as the second protest that they had um, just days later. So, Judge Mooring, I want to talk about the changes that you implemented bef- between those two protests, and then where are we going past that? What are those future conversations looking like? And a lot of that is the building trust and communicating. Sure. It, it, it's a it's a great question. You know, um, the first protest was predicated on the, uh, the tragic events around George Floyd and his murder in Minneapolis. And the country um, was exploding at that time. It was in basically every major city um, around, around the country, uh, around that tragedy. And there was you know, um, protests that were just organizing, that were just kind of morphing together. And that's kind of what happened here in Bentonville the first time around. Uh, there were really no protest organizers. It was unclear what was going to happen that night. And, and I won't go through everything that happened that night, except to say that it did get away from everybody. And, and certainly it wasn't the outcome that I think any side was looking for. What we did between that first protest and the second one, which happened about a week later, is we actually had organizers and we worked with them and we got in touch with them. <clears throat> and it was a great learning experience for me. I partnered with Mayor Orman, uh, with law enforcement, and, and really they played a huge role. And, and I can't discount at all how big a role the organizers who stepped up played. So we had meetings ahead of time before the second round of protests. And they told us exactly what they wanted to accomplish, the message that they wanted to convey, how they wanted to do it, how they were going to keep it peaceful. And we worked together to help facilitate that. Simple things like having a sound system on the courthouse steps, uh, of having places where they could keep water bottles um, ready for, because it was very hot, ready for people to have. Um, Just really um, approaching law enforcement differently. Law enforcement had a much different role in the second one. But I will give a lot of credit to the organizers. They were people who I had not met before. And they stepped up and they said, here's what we want to accomplish. Here's what we want to do. And here's how you can help. And we helped them. And so when that second protest happened, it was, it was just as big. I mean, it was you know, startling. Thousands of people on the square of Bentonville. They marched. They shouted. They got their point across. Um, and frankly, I learned a lot of things from their message as well uh, around diversity and inclusion and what was happening with racial justice. And at the end of that night, uh, it was about 9.30 or 10 o'clock. It wasn't nearly as late as the previous one. And I went up to this person. Her name is Jessica. Uh, and I said, you know what? You all did exactly what you said you were going to do. And this was, this was a great event. And it was an eye-opening event. And I think if you were to talk to Mayor Orman um, or Chief Simpson or Sheriff Holloway, all of us who participated in that came away with a renewed perspective, a changed perspective. Uh, Mayor Orman created a diversity inclusion task force that had dozens and dozens of people apply, and now that task force is up and rolling. In Benton County, we signed up and joined True NWA, which is part of the Engage group out of the Northwest Arkansas Council, and we'll be going through now some diversity inclusion kind of training at the county. And so I think that the, the protests were successful in the sense that they happened peacefully, 
message given, message received. I think all of our eyes were opened. And, um, and actually, I'm, I'm appreciative of how the second one turned out. First one was pretty scary. You know, I'm, I don't want to lie to you. I was on top of the courthouse when that was happening, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing in Bentonville. But now that the channels of communication are open, and I think both sides are learning a little bit more about the other, um, you know, we can have peaceful protests. We can disagree in Bentonville. We can have uh, very tough issues put on the table, and I think we can address them now um, in a way that maybe before then were really tough to address. And you continue to communicate from time to time with these organizers, correct? Yeah, I, and, I, and I still do. We're still mm-hmm. in touch from time to time, um, and, um, and, and they are uh, very active. Um, some of them are running for office, which I applaud. I may not agree with them politically on a lot of things, but I would never take away their right to run for office, their right to protest. They're very active on social media. Um, but they do so effectively and peacefully. And, and, I, and I respect that. And actually, I'm learning a lot from them on, on how they're approaching that. And, um, and I, I appreciate that. And there are a lot of ongoing things. Like I said, the county will have ongoing training in this regard. The cities form their task force. I know Rogers is doing a lot in that regard as well. Fayetteville is. So I think the impact, you know, just looking back 90 days or so, has been really tremendous. Um, and we can all learn from it. I... Uh really like the advice that I read to LeBron James during, during all that. LeBron James, the NBA shut down, and, uh, you know, that's going through a lot of professional sports. But uh, as I understand it, he asked uh, former President Obama what they should do. I thought he gave really good advice. He said, list your grievances, present those, and go back to work. Yeah. Let's do it that way. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I heard you say there. Hopefully we can get to give us, uh, give us a list. Let's talk about those and let's work on those. And I, and I think that's a, that's a, a key part of it. Um, but I think also it's, it's incorporated into the work now, too. I mean, so we are much more sensitive at the county for specific events and incidences that, that have been elevated where you look at those separately and you take those as, as learning and teaching examples. We had one just this past week um, that I won't go into, but it's something that we can learn uh, and grow from and, and realize that um, it actually makes us a lot stronger. And this community is so much more diverse than it used to be. And that's part of the strategy. I mean, the business strategy here has been to recruit talent. And, and a lot of that talent are different kinds of people than have grown up here. And that's part of the tension that's happening. Um, but if you want that talent to come, then you have to grow as a community to be able to accommodate that talent and to respect that talent and respect the, that point of view. It's kind of what Cindy said earlier. It's going to be really important for our growth going forward. Yeah, so, yep, so assimilating all these different cultures. We are in a great position to oversee that, I mean, from a 30,000-foot view. Uh, and I wanted to ask you a little more specifically about that, what I referenced earlier. Yeah. Was, uh, and it may be too vague of a question for you to give a response, catch you off guard, but during the COVID uh, stuff we've been through this year, all the outdoor activity has exploded. Oh, matter of yeah. fact, I don't know if you can buy a camper. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's you know, been, yeah. a hard time finding an huge. outdoor heater for, yeah. <laughs> for the patio. That, so. That's right. And yeah. I did notice some Kohler. Since you were talking about Kohler uh, trail being yep. open, yeah. the uh, yeah. tent, the uh, glamping tent structures are open now. Mm-hmm. There were tent folk. They were saying the tents this past weekend. Yeah. But I also uh, owns property in the county and, and like this, I like being out in the country anyway. Right. I, did, I did before <laughs> all this started. And uh, now I'm seeing 
uh, I'm not a biker, but I've dodged a few on the gravel roads. Yeah. So yeah. I know that gravel road biking's <laughs> yeah. becoming yeah. popular. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, again, something I, I, I didn't really know a lot of uh, a couple of years ago and, uh, and has become really popular over, you know, cross-country biking on, on dirt roads. There was, there was actually going to be a huge um, race attracting people from across the country that was supposed to take place in October. It was the Sugar Creek, I can't remember, Sugar Creek Classic, let's call it, but it, it had to do with being out on county roads, even going up into Missouri and back. There was a 100-mile track and a 50-mile track, and we went out with the folks that were organizing that uh, to help them understand our roads and where we could do some improvements. But a lot of times they don't want improvements. They like them just <laughs> the way they are. But here's what was amazing is the, the entry for that opened just before COVID, I think back in April, March or April, and there were 1,000 entries that would be allowed for this race in October, that far ahead of time, it was filled in three minutes, mm. 80% from outside of Arkansas. Mm. And so wow. it's, you know, we've turned into this major attraction and, and biking mm-hmm. of course is one that gets a lot of attention now. Uh, but we really have turned into this m- incredible attraction for that. And to the extent that we can help that, I think that's great. What was really great about that race is it took people outside of the I-49 corridor. They were going to be going out by Gentry and going out by Gravit and going out on Sugar Creek and going out by Pea Ridge. And so that one, I, I really hope they bring it back next year because it really would have showcased a lot more of Benton County than what's being traditionally showcased. And I think that's a real opportunity for the county as well. Mm-hmm. Love Bentonville, love Rogers, love Bella Vista, n- nothing wrong with that. But there's a whole lot of county that can also participate in that. Well, it's interesting how this there's somewhat of a, a quandary there because uh, we own a little property on Little Sugar too because I love it up there. Yep, mile and a half, gorgeous, good smallmouth fishing. We want some company, but not too much. I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. so I have a, a cabin development, uh, Dane, over on uh, close to Gravin. It was gorgeous over there. It's beautiful, and but you need density as a developer. Mm-hmm. to make the project work but not so dense that people don't right. want to come over they want to get out and get away so right. i can i say see that as a microcosm of your role it it certainly is um there is a a natural and what i would say positive tension in benton county between progress and keeping things the way they are not not losing your your roots um and you know, we're fortunate that we live in a place where there are organizations like the Northwest Arkansas Council um, and the new Heartland organization they formed and then Walmart and others who also recognize that tension and, and, and we're trying to learn how to grapple with that. So things like open spaces become very important. Understanding those specific corridors where development should go are important, but then also respecting where, the, where open spaces like yours or agriculture are. So I think there's a lot more discussion about that than there ever was. Um, trying agree. to maintain the, yeah. the the old but keep up with progress. Well, I appreciate that. And one last kind of wrap up question. So you both are your backgrounds and your experience are perfectly suited for this time, aren't they? I mean, they really are. So you, you've been there, done that. You've watched it. You can explain it to others. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you give to that couple that moves here on Valentine's Day? <laughs> With the red other, carpet. Other than the red carpet. I was going to say. Rip up the red carpet first. <laughs> um, I would say that roots and growth um, can coexist. And um, be curious about the roots and be curious about the growth. And 
engage as much as possible in what this area has to offer um, with people who may be different than you. So that's going to mean one thing to somebody who's lived here forever, and it's going to mean something very different to somebody who has moved here. Um, but those two things can coexist. And Charles, you and I both know that from having worked at a big company like Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. You still have roots and yeah. you have growth. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. Yeah, I would. Uh, boy, my advice is, is very similar. Um, we are really a welcoming community. We We never didn't feel welcome here, whether it was joining the church or getting involved in our kids' sports or getting involved with the kids' school. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, some towns don't have that reputation or some areas. I think we do, and it's well-deserved. If a young couple moves here now and, and can't find anything to do, well, then they're not looking very hard because <laughs> there, there are so many ways to get involved here, and there are so many positive places where you can be f- you know, be a member, be part of a, a part of something bigger. Uh, it's really a great community for that. And that's why we've stayed for more than 20 years now and can't imagine ever leaving. Um, this is a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to hedge towards retirement, which my gosh, we're getting near towards and, and just love being here. I love the balance of roots and growth. I think that's a, a great way to end this. And with that, we've hit the end of episode eight of This Life's Work. You can catch every episode of this podcast at theratliffgroup.com or anywhere that podcasts are found online, iTunes, Spotify, any of your podcast apps. Follow us on Facebook. We started a podcast Facebook page. It's at This Life's Work Podcast. Take care. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.